Hello, Vitamizers, and welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast. As always, I'm Allison here with MSW Lounge in Austin, Texas. And this episode, we quite honestly did not know what to expect. (laughs) And I'm saying that um, as positively as possible. None of us knew this guest before he came to visit us to record this episode. And the reason we invited him on the show was because Zach Horvath from Live a Great Story a few episodes back referred him to us and said that he thought it would be a great partnership matchup podcast duo, whatever you want to call it. And once again, Zach was right. (laughs) This was such a fun and surprising episode. And this type of guest is one that we haven't really had before. Um, He is a professional speaker, but before we get into his description... The How Do You Health podcast is brought to you by MSW Lounge. MSW Lounge is located in Westlake Hills in Austin, Texas. We provide a variety of services, including vitamin shots and IVs, the whole Slenderella family, concierge medicine, chiropractic, massage therapy, a vitamin drink bar, and tons of other local company offerings for ways to clean up your health and naturally stay that way for a long time. Find out more at www.mswlounge.com. We are also brought to you by Slenderella. Slenderella is a vitamin shot and IV blend that was designed to help your liver function optimally. It got its name when the creators started noticing that liver detox was causing many clients to lose weight. Now there is a whole line of different Slenderella blends that you can customize for your needs, as well as a supplement line to support all of your Slenderella goals. You can find distributors and more information at www.slenderellausa.com. This podcast is sponsored by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date on their events and programs. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more at www.flabstofitness.com. All right, so today's guest is Tom Singer. He travels around the country and speaks and specifically to entrepreneurs, but he is also the host of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs podcast. We talked about that a little bit. He and I geeked out about stand-up comedy for a minute, and it was just all around a great conversation, very well-rounded. He gave us some of his tips that he gives during his speeches, and I'm not going to spoil those now. But I think you guys are really going to like it, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. So here is Tom Singer on episode 61 of the How Do You Health podcast. Uh, Okay, so welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. Today we are with Tom Singer, and uh, we met him. uh, I mean, we just met him now, but we. (laughs) But uh, the connection here was with Live a Great Story with Zach Horvath, that uh, whom we we featured uh, a while back, and and, uh, we also have Nurse Doza today. And uh, we have um, Tex Mexioli, so let's get this <laughs> let's get this started. Yeah. So, what got you into motivational speaking? 
so I was the marketing and uh, sales guy throughout my career. I had a 20-year career working for uh, law firms, banks, and consulting firms in sort of a hybrid business development role. Yeah. And part of that job became I started training the lawyers when I was at the law firm on how to get more engaged in the community, how to network, how to you know achieve more business yeah. from a sales side. And I thought when they started having me teach these classes, they were going to hate it. And the lawyers started going, we need more of that. So I started teaching all kinds of sort of soft skills, business skills classes to the attorneys. And then when I went to a bank, I did the same thing for the bankers. And eventually they said, somebody said, why do you work for us? Why don't you just go do that? Yeah. And I was like, I don't think that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and as it yeah. turns out, it's a thing. It's so, a thing. Yeah. So I've been doing it now 10 years. That's all I've done is I do training and speaking. And people pay you to talk. Yes. And in fact, uh, my brother found my second grade report card when we were cleaning out my dad's house. And it, there was a note from the teacher saying, he talks too much. We have to have a conference. <laughs> my brother came out and said, you know, whatever happened to that teacher, based on what you charge, she probably owes you like $100,000 oh, yeah, yeah. for all that talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably going to direct the meeting, actually, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I did sales for a while. I more strictly sales. I worked with Cutco uh, for a while. I worked when I was in college. I did Cutco. Yeah, no, have you ever Cutco. Uh, spoken at any, any of their events? No, they should hire me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hear I'll, that, Cutco? I have a good connection. Right, right. Cutco sales events. But, uh, but that was always my favorite part is going to the conferences and like what else is someone talking about to you know to improve or just what's that little thing that'll help you you know with the motivation right just to get get that little you know like you talked about potential well that was the other thing is I would go you know being in sales I would go to these conferences either that my company put on or that like an industry association put on and I would watch the speaker on stage and I can remember for like 10 years going to conferences three or four times a year and I'd watch the speaker and I would literally think he or she has a better job than I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, if you can command the attention of a room, that's one thing. But public speaking is a major phobia, right? Like, people are saying, I'd rather be in a car wreck than ever, like, have to go in front of someone and, and like, talk, right? Have all those eyes fixated on me. You thrive off it, right? You get, you, every time you're about to talk and present, do you still get that, that, like, little anxiety? Or do you just feel like this is what I was born to do? Uh, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I mean, I still get anxiety because you never want to screw up, right? It's really important that you're doing the right thing for the audience. And yeah. you never, you know, you, every conference is different. So not every speaker can speak at every conference. So you always have that little thing going, I hope I'm the right fit for the personality of this group. I hope my message really lands with them. Uh, but I've done over 800 professional speeches. Yeah. So it's like anything that you do a lot of times. It's, you know, comics call it stage time. The more you do, the better you're going to get. So uh, someone saw me speak recently, and her comment was, I wish I could be that good. And I said, have you given 800 professional speeches? And she said, no, I've given, like, none. And yeah. I said, there's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's that old mentality about, what, 10,000 hours to yeah. master it, right? Like, you're probably approaching that almost, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea how many hours has <laughs> gone into it. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's that stage time piece for whatever you want to get better at. It's kind of like my podcast. I've done 425 episodes, and my podcast is just now starting to get like really good. Yeah. If you go back and listen to like episode 10, it's like, oh no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. I think we're this is 60. This right? is 61. This is 61. And it yeah. just got good today. It just got good. <laughs> you guys are fantastic. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Todd. This is an awesome show. <laughs> yeah. But Allison here, she's a comic, so she she understands your lingo there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, that's literally like. I don't remember who I was talking to. Um, I'm a new comic. I've been doing it less than a year, but I like... <laughs> you too, nice. Yeah. But I'm like a crazy person with anything I try. So literally the first four months of me doing it, I went out every single night. So I did eight to 12 mics a week. 
and someone made a comment I think it was Stanhope like Doug Stanhope like one of the best people and um, he said yeah you need to do like 500 mics or shows before you're even halfway like understanding what you're doing and so I went back the crazy person I am and I was like I think I've done about 250 so far so I'm halfway, halfway. to being almost decent <laughs> you know so, so I, I was in New York last year and uh, a professional speaker I know who I mean his TED talk has had like two million views on humor in the workplace his name is Andrew Tarvin he invited I was going to be in New York and I said let's go out and he goes oh the night you're gonna be there come to open mic night with me this was last March, and I thought, I said to him, I go, I'd love to watch you work on new material, because he's also a comic. Mm -hmm. And I go, I'd love to watch you work on new material, and he goes, that's not what I'm inviting you to do. <laughs> and I'm like, there was no way. And he goes, what, you've given like 800 speeches, why not go up and do five minutes at an open mic night? I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh -huh. And he said, have you ever wanted to do that? And I was like, yeah, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor or a comic or a comedian or something like that. And he goes, well, you're 50-something years old, why not? Why not come and just do it? And so I kind of had this motto the last couple of years of try new things. Uh -huh. And I was like, all right. And so I was in New York. We went to an open mic night. I did five minutes. Seinfeld was not worried about job security because <laughs> I showed up at an open mic. But I kind of like you, I was crazy about it. I said, okay, I'm going to do this a hundred times. Mm -hmm. Now I'm married with a kid. I'm not doing 10 a week, mm -hmm. but I've been doing about one a week. So I've now done 35 open mics and go. I'm not trying to go become a comic. Mm -hmm but I call it cross training for my speaking career yeah. because after 35 open mics, I'm a better speaker. Yep. I'm a better podcaster yep. than I was a year ago. Yeah. Solely because of that experience. Because I think, I think it's the hardest use of the English language is stand-up comedy. So I commend you. Thank keep, you. Keep going. So now, did you plan it all out before you decided, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and, and try this five minutes? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wrote, I wrote it out and then I met my friend Drew and I said, here's what I'm gonna say. And he literally read it, and, or maybe I read it to him and he said, it's all right. <laughs> and I looked at him like, what, dude? You're the one who made me do this. And he goes, it's, it's, profession, it's corporate speech humor. He goes, you just pulled stuff out of your speeches that gets laughs. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and he said, you don't have any punchlines. He goes, you have humor. Yeah. He goes, but for stand-up, you've got to have a punchline like every 30 seconds. And I'm like, oh, you know, that means I need 10 punchlines. Right. And I didn't have 10, but he helped me kind of punch it up. And so now I'm just starting to learn how to write. That's been the hardest part for me is learning to write the comedy. That's so. my hardest thing too. Someone actually just messaged me the other day and they said, hey, Allison, do you find yourself to be a performer who writes or a writer who performs? And I was like, well, I love the thrill of performing so much. I'd like to say I'm just a performer who has to write to keep up with it. But honestly, I'm a writer who performs like I will sit down. Baldo saw me like aggressively writing when we went to Costa Rica. I filled half a journal and I wasn't even done writing about our 10 day trip. Like it was not a long trip, but I will sit and write page, 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 page. And then I have to go through afterwards and be like, wait, why did I write about this? What's funny about it? And pull out, you know, the three punchlines. So I end up with 30 seconds of material. And out I get of 10 mad. pages. Yeah. yeah. I get mad at myself because I'm like, why did I need to write all of this? But it's, it's a process, and, and for me it's interesting because I'm really good at seeing funny scenarios. Like I was on the plane the other day, and this lady put a big suitcase up in, in the thing, and it didn't fit. And she just left it and sat down. And I'm like, I took out, I carry a little comedy journal. I took out my comedy journal, and I wrote that down, and then I also have a, like a speech journal. And I wrote it in there because it's either like a great analogy for like lame things people do in the business world that you have to deal with because the flight attendant then had to come and deal with it. Yeah. Or there's a joke in it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know the answer to either yet. But I write the scenarios down. I have 
pages of scenarios. Tons yeah. of metaphors, right? Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, you take yourself out of your natural element, and then essentially, like, you're trying to see what you're capable of doing, right? Like, you probably went up there saying, yeah, I could probably do all right on this, the five minutes. So how did it go? So the five, the first five minutes was fine. They had, uh, the way they did it at this open mic, it was limited to 18 comics. And of the 18, I probably was somewhere in the middle. I was like the ninth funniest or something. I don't yeah. know. They didn't rank them, but... Drew was watching, and he said, because you were, like, right in the middle. Yeah. And afterwards, we were in the bar, and this comic came up to me, and, he, and I had said in my bit that it was my first time. And the comic came up to me, and he goes, that was your first time doing comedy? And I said, yes. And he goes, man, you have the best stage presence <laughs> of anybody who's done it the first time I've ever seen. And then I had to own up that, well, I've done 800 speeches, right? And I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. You know. I got that a lot, too, because I come from an acting background, right. so it's already the, the leg up. And a lot of comics that I've talked to around Austin going to open mic nights, a lot of them have told me that's the thing they struggle with. They yeah. can write jokes, and they can figure out punchlines, but it's that comfort on stage. So apparently it's a leg up if you're an actress and, and, and me being a speaker. I guess, but it's also the thing where I would I would argue that the comics, like it, it levels us out, right? Because right. we're not used to writing the jokes. Right. So it kind of evens us out, but where, what, what mics do you usually go to? Uh, so on Thursday nights, I sometimes go to the one at the Volstead. Okay, so yeah. I like that one. In fact, I may have seen you because you look really familiar now <laughs> that I've said this. Yeah. Uh, and I go on Saturday nights to Love Goat. Oh my gosh, yeah, I'm really good friends with the host there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sam and Sam, Andrew, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm not good friends with Sam, but if he walked in right now, he'd be like, hey, I know you. Yeah. And then I go on Monday nights down to, uh, on Lester Slaughter Hill. Lane. No, the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, slaughterhouse at, at, at Little Woodrose. Woodrose, yes, yeah. yes. That one's near my house, so oh, I go to that one. That we live down there too. I yeah, know Monday nights. It's outside though, so this time of year I've been skipping it. Yeah, because yeah. it's like freezing. So yeah, yeah. That's true. yeah. <laughs> so now that you've kind of added com like comedy to your repertoire, like like <laughs> that, that's an overstatement. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, but it, it's like, what's the next thing you're trying to accomplish? Like, what's the new thing? Well, so that one, I've, you know, I've only done 35 open mics, and I swore I was going to do 100. So I do them when I travel. Yeah. I was in Fort Worth and Las Vegas last week yeah. to, uh, giving speeches, and so I found open mic nights at night and went out and did that. I'll be in San Diego this week, and I'll do two open mic nights in San Diego. My brother's actually coming to one. Nice. So, yeah, well, he's 10 years my senior, but we're, we're really good friends. And so he's coming down. He lives in Northern California. He's coming down just to hang out with me. And we're going to go to an open mic night. But I told my wife, I go, that's pressure to have your, you know, my friends have come, but to have my brother there, because yeah. he'll call my other brothers if I suck, you know, it's like, boom. So, uh, uh, so I've got a lot more comedy. I've still got a long, long way to go yeah. with this, but I constantly say yes to doing things. It's like, I, I'm scared of heights, but I jumped off the stratosphere in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, my, my daughter wanted to start like a t-shirt brand company. So we took Try New Things and we now sell them on trynewthings.shop. And I have shirts that just say, try new things. Yeah. Um, and my daughter and I are working on that project together. So I'm just, most of my life, I didn't attempt things unless I knew I was good at them. Yeah. And now when I turned 50, I kind of made a promise. I was going to make age 50 to 75 the best years of my life. Right. And so for the last two years, I just say yes to stuff like going to the vitamin bar and yeah. drinking the vitamin <laughs> drink. You know, the answer is yes. I'll do, yeah. Sure, I'll have a vitamin drink. Why not? Where, oh, yeah. Before I might have been like, oh, what's in it? What are they feeding me? I'm like, nah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know there, there was a point where uh, 
where I decided also that if I ever caught myself like like saying like oh I would never do that then I would do it right but you're younger than I <laughs> I didn't come up with this till I was fifty and I think this is from listening to a, to a speaker right <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome whatever speak whoever the speaker on yeah. behalf of the speakers yeah. on behalf of motivational speakers everywhere you're welcome yeah. <laughs> um, so how often are you traveling uh, so I'm on the road about 100 to 120 nights a year for about the last four or five years okay so I, I travel a lot and but everybody says well how are you married with kids and, and you do that. First of all, my uh, older kid moved away four years ago to college, so she doesn't care what I do. And then I have a high school student who also is a high school student, so she has a lot of homework, and she watches Netflix and talks to her friends, so she doesn't care if I'm home. Uh, And my (laughs) wife, you know, my wife likes having me around, I think, but this is sort of the life that we've built. I'm doing what I want to do, and my wife is extremely supportive. So it works out, and usually I'm gone one or two nights a week. So every now and then in November I had... It was like a game of Tetris, like different clients just fit together piece by piece. And I had five gigs over 15 days. And I was the master of ceremonies and our keynote speaker for all these different events. And I kept telling my wife, what, what, what are we doing? She's like, well, we need the money, so take it. And all of a sudden, I had a 15-day trip. So that's probably too much. Sure. That was not ideal, but that was rare. That's once yeah. or twice a year I've gone for more than two days, three days at a time. Yeah. So, so when you're on the road, we kind of mentioned this before, you talked about your lifestyle that you have to do in order to maintain a healthier version of you, right? So you're on the road that much. Like, what's like the biggest challenge you find when it comes to like eating healthy? Well, I used to weigh like 25 pounds more than I do now. Right. And part of that had to do with my eating and my exercise. Well, all of it had to do with my eating and my sure. exercise choices. Right. And so a couple of years ago, uh, about three years, I guess just coming up on three years ago, my oldest daughter was a freshman in college and she decided she wanted to run a half marathon. And she and I are real tight. She said, will you train with me? And I said, well, we live a thousand miles apart. She goes, yeah, but we can train with this app. And I said, I've never run a mile in my life. And she said to me, but dad, she goes, what about like you ran that 5K that time? And I said, yeah, there was this thing that happened. It was called walking. I go, I don't think I've ever run a mile. And the coach had, in middle school, you know, you had to run the 440. My coach had a nickname for me. He called me Lardass. Yeah. <laughs> Allison has this look on her face like she's horrified that, that, that a coach would that a coach would do that. No, but, I think that's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> you look at most people look at that through the eyes of like 2019, right? Sure. What would happen to a coach who called a kid a slow no, fat fired. kid? He's, that, fired, he's fired. Oh yeah. Yeah, but in 1979 that was considered like motivation. Oh yeah, of course. Um, like, at least he's letting you drink water. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the thing was is that uh, I told my daughter, you know, I didn't think I could do it. And then to surprise her, I, re- I read an article that said that if you could run two miles, you could train for a marathon by doing interval training. So for like the two months before she got home for the summer, I had a friend helping me learn to run. I mean, it was a whole process. And when she got home for the summer, I'm like, honey, I can run two, I can, I can run two miles. I'll do this training for the next six months with you. And she literally looked at me and goes, Oh, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Of course. And I thought and my wife thought I was going to kill her because I literally like this was a big surprise. <laughs> I was going to train with her for the summer and the fall, and so my wife convinced me to just keep trying. And, yeah. And so I kept. I did the training. I did the interval training. A buddy came down from Dallas for the day of the race and ran with me, who was a runner, and it was great. And through the process of that, I changed my diet because when you're working out that much and running, you you tend to eat better. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, it was just like, you know, if I'm going to go and run eight miles on a Saturday, you know, I'm going to come home and eat like a salad. I'm not going to, with chicken, I'm not going to go have a McDonald's burger or something. Yeah. Uh, I coupled that, I gave up like the sweet drinks at Starbucks, and I, I like my vanilla lattes, so I cut yeah. them down to once or twice a week. 
Uh, and through that process of eating better and running, like I said, I lost close to 30 pounds. So what I do now on the road is I run. Now, I don't run more than three miles at a time now because I'm not training for anything, but I, I run three miles like four days a week, and I really try to make good choices. I travel with like, a, you know, I'll bring fruit with me to my hotel room, so in the morning I'll have a banana or an apple or something instead of, you know, having pancakes. Because you go to these conferences, and I'm at a conference, if I'm the master of ceremonies, I'm there for three days, but I'm eating all my meals there. at the hotel conference, yeah. but everything is carbs. Oh, yeah. You know, there's at the breaks, they put cookies out at two in the afternoon, and the chocolate chip cookies the size of your, size of your head. So hard to say no to. No, they're really hard to say no to. <laughs> so what I, what I do now is I break off a corner and I just eat that, and instead of eating the whole cookie, I'll eat like a quarter of a cookie. Yeah. Uh, so I make those types of choices, and then it's, it's a combination of getting sleep, uh, you know, making sure I'm taking some sort of a multivitamin and trying to make as best choices as I can. And so I try when I make choices just when I'm on the road to give up wheat and sugar. If it's got wheat in it or sugar in it, I try not to eat it or I just have a bite. I like that. That's simple. Yeah. Right? That is. And so you don't get to look at the ingredients all the time, right? Right. So then it's kind of hard to determine, like you kind of have to guess sometimes, right? Yeah, but if you're in a hotel, you can always, like sometimes I'll sign up and say, oh, I want to have the gluten-free yeah. uh, meal or the vegetarian. Um, so every year, I grew up Catholic, so every year for Lent, I do something. Yeah. And I don't know, like seven or eight years ago, I decided I'm gonna go vegan. Well, it turns out vegan, going vegan is almost as hard as doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> Just from the, you know, the ability of the sheer difficulty of it. But I learned a lot. I only did it for what Lent is forty days, or a little yeah. more than forty days. Uh, but I learned a lot, and so if I order the vegan meal, it's a lot easier now than it was seven or eight years ago, too. They sure. can usually bring you something that will fill you up. I, when I was doing that one day, somebody just brought me. They brought me some rice and a sprig of broccoli, and that was the big vegan meal. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be more. But. Uh, yeah, so I just I just try to make good choices, and I don't beat myself up if there's not a good choice. I'll just eat whatever's there. I think that's an important one to not beat yourself up because sometimes yeah. we find that to be troubling. Because then it spirals, right? It's like, oh, well, I already did that, so I'm just gonna go ahead and eat that crap for the rest of the week, kind of deal. Yeah. Well, and, and, and uh, sugar and wheat are my enemies, right? And if you think about it, if you, if you try to avoid wheat, you're giving up a lot of stuff because now, oh, there's a hamburger. Well, I have to get it protein side. I have to get it wrapped in lettuce because I'm going to avoid the wheat when I'm traveling. So if I'm on the road and I go to an In-N-Out Burger, I'm at least leaving the bun behind, yeah. uh, and I'm not having a chocolate shake, you know, and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm making those types of choices, and then oftentimes I'll buy like every hotel or, or airport gift shop will have like almonds, yep. and even if they're the salty ones, you know, I'm giving up wheat and sugar, so I can have almonds even if yeah. I have, even if the only ones they have are the the ones that are a little bit higher in salt. Yeah, you know, I'll have keep those in my hotel room. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Even if it's like fruit, you don't know where right. the source of it is. It's like, well, at least it looks like real food to me. Right, it's 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 close. It's yeah. close, yeah. right? <laughs> it's not coming in a box or it's packaged like this way. Yeah, I get that. So the other thing that like my my friends who have like health podcasts always roll their eyes at because they're like, that's not healthy. But the other thing I travel with, I travel with a small baggie of uh, of Cheerios, <laughs> and the reason is they're oats. They're not wheat. So that's my that's my go-to right. cheat for something like that, and they have like almost no sugar in them. Basic, I mean, Honey Nut Cheerios really high, but regular Cheerios, yeah. like almost none. And then if I get stuck on an airplane, because sometimes you're on the runway for two hours, yeah. you know, yeah. and if you get hungry, you know, they've done away with peanuts on Southwest, and and so now they want to give you just crackers. Well, crackers are just pure wheat. Yeah. So, so literally, I'll take out a little bag of Cheerios. I was sitting next to a guy the other day. We were sitting on the tarmac, and I'm eating Cheerios because I was hungry. And he goes, oh, do you have little kids? Because <laughs> <laughs> if you have little kids, you're always traveling with Cheerios. And I looked at him and I'm like, 
No, these are for me. <laughs> don't feel that bad. My wife eats goldfish like it's going out of style. Well, don't, I, I used to back when I was heavier. Yeah. I loved goldfish, but the wheat, the wheat. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally get it. And it, I think you have to do it in moderation, right? Like, what'd you get me today? Was a vegan cupcake? Yeah, a gluten free, gluten free, vegan, whatever. Oh, cupcake. was that from Trianon? Oh my gosh, yeah, they're really good. <laughs> I mean, it was, right? Like, I, I'm not going to do it all the time now, but it's just like, all right, I'll indulge. I had a couple bites. I'm good. I mean, we went out the other night. We had a birthday cake. Took a couple bites. I mean, they had a huge slice of it that they gave me. I was like, I told them straight out. I felt like a priss. I was like, I'm not going to eat that whole thing. Like, there's no way. Like, so I was like, I'll do a couple bites. And yeah, but like, I used to. I used to go to, like, when my kids were growing up and you'd go to these birthday parties for the kids, I'd have a slice of cake, then I'd finish their cake, and if there was still more cake, oh, I'd yeah. have another piece of cake. So now, I mean, it's you have to make the choices yeah. and I've gotten better at it. I'm still not perfect. Um, I put on a little bit of the weight that I lost and it's time to, you know, Lent, Lent is coming. So there you I, go. So what are you <laughs> doing for Lent? Uh, I think, uh, sugar, wheat, and alcohol. Oh, really? Yeah. The I'm going to throw alcohol. I'm going to do the trifecta yeah. this time. Cause, nice. Cause that's my other, my other weakness is I like a lot of red wine, not just red wine. A lot, a, lot of of <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sugary red wine. Right. <laughs> Although, I used to drink beer when I was younger, and I could sit around with my friends and drink like eight beers. Yeah. I cannot drink eight glasses of wine. So there's something about, like, after two or three glasses of wine, you're kind of full. You're kind of done. Yeah. So maybe that's better. That's good. No, I, I used I grew up Catholic as well, and so I gave up fast food one year, sodas one year, like beer when I was in college, you know, which is hard to do, right? Because you're thinking like, well, well there goes my social life. There goes it's my social life. spring break too. It's during spring break yeah. So I'm like, what am I gonna, so I stopped doing that after like freshman year. I was like, I'm not gonna do that again. But yeah, it is hard. It, but the thing is you go right back to it if your mentality is like, it's just 40 days. Right. Right, like we we'll go right back to it. And we did a, we did actually a crazy diet last month. Called, uh, we did a water fast diet for six days. What is that? Please tell me it's not what it sounds like. It is exactly, <laughs> exactly what it sounds what it like. Sounds That's like. exactly what it sounds like. Six days. Six days of just water. Yeah. And so when we got done, I mean, we kept talking about food all the time. I was like, man, I'm craving this. I'm craving blizzards, Oreos, like potato skin wedges. And when we ate, like, some stuff blizzard, on Sunday. A blizzard with potato skin. Yeah, whatever. I didn't care. Pour it over. Yeah. Pour the blizzard over. And cheese that sounds like covered bacon. Well, <laughs> the funny thing is you'd probably find all that at a fast food place yeah. where they would probably put it in a bowl for you, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. And so I mean, I'm pretty sure you can go to Dairy Queen and get dude. They'll probably do it, right? <laughs> we were walking down H-E-B, like, the aisles, like, the midnight, like, a couple hours before we were about to finish, and I was just like... I want all this stuff. But then like my brain was telling me, don't do it. Like just don't do it because my stomach was like, oh, and sure enough, we had potatoes. And I, my stomach was like a little hurting that day. And then ever since then, I've kind of scaled it back. But well, when I, the Easter Sunday, when I did, uh, when I was vegan, I ate like half a pig of bacon. <laughs> and I literally laid on the couch, just like, what have just I hurting. done? Yeah. So, yeah. so then I stayed kind of, for about the rest of that year, I did what I called vegan leaning. Which meant during the week I ate vegan, and then on the weekends I did whatever I wanted, and then yeah. Christmas came, and there were too many Christmas parties. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, we have people that came in; they're trying to diet around like Christmas time. And they're <laughs> like, "What do I do?" I'm like, "Can you have one or two bites and then put it down?" They're like, "No," and I'm like, "Well, that sucks, man." <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. So I can do that. I can do that now, but I couldn't when I was younger. Oh, of course not. But when you're younger, like someone was telling me uh, earlier this week, they're like, "I can eat whatever I want," you know, ten years ago. And I never had to worry about it. I'm like, yeah, you were like 16 or 17 years old. Like, nobody worried about it. I was eating double cheeseburgers from Burger King all the time. And I would just burn it off like crazy. But but amazingly, now, you know, flash forward 20 years later, 
like I'm skinnier now than I was in high school, even though I was more active, athlete, all that as well, because I ate a bunch of crap, and I didn't, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to feel like that. So I was skinny in college because my metabolism was really high. I was fat as a kid, and then skinny in college, and I got fat again. But uh, McDonald's used to have a burger called the McDLT, and what it was is it was in styrofoam, and when people got like environmentally conscious, they had to do away with it because half of it was like like the lettuce and the tomato that was the cold side. And then you had the burger side where it came hot. So they're, they're, they were great huh. because the lettuce wasn't wilty. Yeah, yeah. It was actually the best burger McDonald's ever had, and the environmentalists killed the McDLT. But, uh, but I loved that burger, but I could eat two of them. And now I'm thinking, if I, and I would do it many days a week. Yeah. And I think now if I was eating like six McDonald's burgers a week, I'd be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like that guy, like a super me. He, he almost died. He did it for 30 days straight, right? Yeah. And I remember I was watching with someone one time. They're like, man, that sounds awesome. I'm like, dude, did you not hear that doctor said you're going to die from a quarter pounder overload, like a toxicity, right? Like, it's just crazy. But I'm glad that you're, you know, even though you're up and down, like you're more like stabilized, right? Like you kind of like you have like, this is what I go for. If it goes off the, you know, the deep end, it's not going to be but one day. Right. And, you know, I've gained some of that weight back, but I think some of it, my pants all fit. So I think some of it is, <laughs> I think some of it because I work out now, which yeah. I didn't do before and stuff like that. So it's always good when your pants stay the same size throughout the years. Like right. you're like, I have the same pair of jeans I've had for eight years now. Like that's that, right. that's a testament to you. As long as you wash them once in a while. As long as you wash them once in a while. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So like uh, kind of going into the idea of you taking care of your health. And you talk to people, I'm sure people have asked you like, hey, you know, I noticed you're doing this or whatever on the road. You also look at the idea of telling people like, all right, well, you know, here's other little tidbits you can do in your daily lifestyle, right? I'm pretty sure that comes across with, with what you talk about with potential, right? So what is it that you see in like a lot of these like, you know, these CEOs and these entrepreneurs, these business people are saying like, what is it that they're missing? Like, what, what, do you, what are they asking you? This is the most common thing. So I want to touch on that, on that same question because I was going to ask you the same thing. It's like, it, we're going to talk about the paradox of potential. Yeah. Right? That's, that's your big message right now. Right. And I was going to ask you, is, is uh, food, the way you eat, one of those 10 tips? Sure. Well, so my, my presentations are really business-oriented. Sure. But all of this doubles into your personal life. So that's, right. So part of my message is, is that you know, I talk to an audience for an hour, or sometimes if I do workshops, it can be three hours. Uh, I usually don't do things longer than that because nobody wants to listen to me for that long. But... But one of the things I tell people is, is that this message is great for business, but it really translates, everything I talk about translates to your personal life. So part of the message, there's really three buckets of stuff that I tell people uh, that if you're gonna kind of strive to get across that gap between potential and results, it's the three buckets are your plan, your passion, and people. And that really simply is, is that do you have goals, right? I mean, if you don't, if you don't have goals of what you're trying to accomplish, it's easy to get off track because you're not on a track. You're just kind of bouncing around. And then passion, are you excited about what you're doing? Because if you're not excited about doing it, you're not going to like going to work every day. And then the third one is people, because I really believe your network, I think all opportunities in life come from the people you meet, who you surround yourself with. You know, your business is probably like my business. Most of it comes from referrals. People yeah. find out about me yeah. Yeah. because other people say, hey, you know, meeting planner for my company, I saw this person. You should put him on the short list when we're looking for next year's sales meeting. And so that's how I get my business. So people are a huge part of it. So it's, it's your goals, it's plans, it's your passion, it's are you doing the right thing, and it's people. And I can flip that around and we can talk about that for health. Yeah. You know, do you have a plan? I mean, if, if I want to, so I put on, you know, eight pounds. If I want to take that eight pounds off and get back to where I was last year, I got to have a goal of what, the, what that means. And I've got to be doing it for the right reasons. So I got to have the passion. 
And then I gotta surround myself with the right people. I've gotta make sure that my wife, you know, is on board. She doesn't like it like when I went vegan. She, her and the kids didn't want to be vegan, yeah. which meant she had to cook and then either cook something else for me or I, I was willing to take care of cooking for myself. But like if she was making, you know, chicken, she'd have to do like a tofu steak or something on the, you know, on the side. And so I have to make sure, and she was very supportive, but I have to make sure that the people around me are doing the same thing. So if, if I'm going to give up alcohol for Lynn, I have to make sure my best friend, you know, who I might go out with once a week or once a month for happy hour is willing to know that, you know, I'm drinking water or we're not doing yeah. it during that yeah. week period. Yeah, well, see, he's my best friend, so it was easy to be able to kind of, he was throwing, I'm going to do another water fast because this was actually his second one. And so I was like, all right, cool. I said, I think I'm down to do this now. And I, if I can, at least I'm, you know, kind of going along with you as well. And so that was kind of the supportive aspect of it, you know. But, like, you know, when you have, you have these people who are coming up to you, I'm sure they ask you all kinds of questions. I'm sure they're saying, like, well, how do we relate to this? Is it the idea that you can't be successful in business if you don't have your personal crap together? Is that really what it is? So that's not my message, but I believe that's true. Yeah. I, I mean, I really believe that you've got to have – you know, when I, when, I, when, I, when I do like a goal setting seminar for people, one of the things I tell them is you gotta have three types of goals. You gotta have your business goals, yeah. you gotta have your personal goals, and you gotta have what I call your soul goals. Okay, and what's that? So, so your soul goals are what are you doing to feed yourself? So I met this young guy who wanted to do stand-up comedy, but he has four kids under the age of six. Shit, that's not gonna happen. No, well, I, well, <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, or maybe under the age of 10. I told him, I said, you know, they know what causes that now. That's a lot of kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can tell you how not to have number five. That's yeah, like, yeah, that's exactly right. But the thing was is that, uh, that I met him, I was on the road, I was in uh, Kansas City, and I was sitting there talking to him, and his one of the kids got sick. And his wife was texting him, basically saying, you know, Hope you're, hope you're having fun, yeah. you know, because your kid just barfed all over me or whatever. And he really wanted like one night a month just to go out and do this. He really wanted, he had done it in college, he wanted to go do it. And I told him, I go, if you have something that you really need to do that feeds your soul, you know, let your wife know. You're not gonna, you're not looking to quit your job, you know, you're not looking to not be a dad to four kids. You just need two nights a month or whatever it was that you just do something that feeds your soul. And he, he texted me and said he had that conversation with his wife, and his wife, her whole attitude changed. She goes, if you need one night a month or maybe two to feed your soul, then I'm on board. So your soul goal is whatever it is for you. So some people, you know, they like to go to the movies. Some people like to go to yoga. Whatever it is for you. So I always have my business goals, my family, personal goals that, you know, affect everybody there. And then what is it for me? And so right now mine's probably doing, doing the comedy stuff too. Yeah, of but, course. But it's, it's what do you like doing? And you can carve it out from your friend. You can carve it out from your kids. You can carve it out. Now, you can't take that and say, oh, I'm going to do that every day because that's going to destroy your person, personal and your business. Sure. So you've got to find the balance. But I think you have to have all three of those. And there's no such thing as work-life balance. I don't think they're ever going to be a balance because I'm sitting here with you. I'm not doing things to promote my speaking career or my podcast. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not doing something with my wife. I'm not, uh, I'm not doing something for my soul. Although, hanging out with you and drinking your energy drink is, is kind of good for my soul. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm the same way too though, because the business aspect, when I started this with him a couple years ago, I was in a job making the most money I've ever had and I hated every single day going right. to work. And so the soul part of me was saying, stop it, do what you really want to do. You have a dream? write down your goal because I would write it every day like I want to do this I want to do this I want to do this and then I was like well what's stopping me and then it was like saying well if you really want to enjoy what you're doing in life feed your soul and then say follow follow your heart right 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 well how old are you 37 36 
So you guys are young. I mean, I know you're kind of in the middle, but right. you know, the fact is, is that I waited till I was almost 50. I mean, I was in my 40s when I started kind of going off and doing my speaking business, but it was 50 before it dawned on me that, you know, we only go so long. So my dad was 52 years old when I was born. And really? Yeah. So surprise. Damn. Surprise. Uh, they had three almost teenagers, and they were, uh, you know, not expecting to have a third kid, and they had a third kid, or a fourth kid, excuse me, and they had a fourth kid. And so they kind of had to start over with everything. So by the time I was in fourth grade, my brothers had moved away, and my dad retired, you know, at 65 years old. I think I was like in seventh grade or something when he retired. And the thing was is that, you know, he then was widowed very shortly after that. And we all thought, oh, you know, I'm going off to college. You know, that, what's dad going to do? He ended up having a great life going forward. He made a choice. I watched him make a choice. He was very sad for a while after my mom died. Uh, but he made a, a physical choice that he goes, I'm just, I, I, he literally said, I could live like five more years. He was 70. It's like, I could live like five more years. I'd better make the best of it. Well, he lived to be 99. He just died five years ago. And looking at that, I was just about 50 when he passed away. And looking at that, I said, you know what? Why wait till I'm 70? to make a choice. You can make a choice at any time. And so that's why I like working for myself. I don't make as much money as I would if I was still, you know, the CMO of a, of a law firm. Yeah. I, I'd make more money. Uh, but, you know, every day I wake up and I'm glad I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, Which makes me healthier in all aspects of my in life. In every aspect. Like, right. So the potential aspect, and this kind of leads into it, the mental wellness aspect. And I don't know if, if you talk to people about it, but I mean, you talk about potential. Right, I, I firmly believe that everyone who you encounter has the potential to do something great. We just haven't necessarily figured out what that is yet, right? So, I mean, I know it's, it's so cliche to ask, but it's like, well, how do you unlock that potential? Like, what do you do? Well, so one of the things is you gotta be really honest with yourself. You gotta know what you like, you gotta know what's capable. I think some people, you know, set goals that aren't realistic. I think you have to be clear with who you are and what you wanna do. The second thing is I talk about there's this gap that exists, and I've interviewed 400 people on a survey that I've done, and I've interviewed on my podcast now 400 entrepreneurs, and I asked the question about the gap between potential and results, and most people say, yes, it exists. It exists for me. Even people who are doing really well say, I could be doing more. I have more potential than I'm reaching. And so most people I interview say, I'm not reaching my full career, and I talk about career stuff, but I'm reaching my full career potential. And then I ask them, why not? And there are so many different reasons that are holding people back. So the problem is, when I go in and speak to a company, the sales manager wants me to solve the problem, put everyone on a bus, and drive them across a bridge between potential and results. Right. Doesn't work that way, because we can't build a bridge. If we built a bridge, it wouldn't work anyway, because as you would go across it, your potential's gonna shift, because you're gonna listen to a podcast like this, or you're gonna you know, go get a special degree or certification, or you're gonna get a new mentor. Something's gonna happen that shifts your potential. So the bridge analogy ain't gonna fly, because you're gonna go across it and fall into the hole. Right. The other thing is you can't put everybody on one bus because what holds you back is different than what holds you back. Even though you're business partners and best friends, you have different things that are holding you back. So that becomes, that becomes a real issue is, is that people start thinking, well, what's holding her back is stupid. Well, no, it's just as important and just as valid. So as we go around and do discussions and companies, I don't have people talk about what's holding them back because nobody in front of their boss or their coworkers wants to say, I'm scared yeah. or I don't have the right network or I don't believe in myself right. or whatever it is. They don't want to do that. But we talk in general about in your industry, what holds people back? Well, all of a sudden, then they start saying things and they start sharing. And so the answer is, is we don't build a bridge. We build a scaffolding. And the scaffolding is modular. And everybody can go at their own level at their own pace. A 
across the gap. And if you're potential shifts, you just add another module. So I was speaking to a construction group, and the uh, CEO said to me afterwards, he goes, do you have a construction background? I'm like, nope. He <laughs> said, that analogy with scaffolding is perfect. And he goes, you know why? And I was like, no, please tell me. He said, you can't build a scaffolding alone. It takes a whole group of people, or it might not be safe, or it would take you forever. You need someone else to check that the bolts are right, because we need scaffolding to be safe. So there's multiple people to lift things. They're heavy. If they're good, you know, good scaffolding, it's going to take a couple of people to build it. Yeah. And he said the other thing is a scaffolding is a temporary structure. You build it for a purpose, and then you take it down. But when it's time to remodel or renovate, you put up a new scaffolding. So that's what I try to teach people, is how do we work across that gap? How do we do that? As a team, we have to give everybody their right and the permission to work their own way across. Some people are gonna go out and just sit there for a while and look down and go, holy shit. Other people, when they know that what their problem is, they're gonna race right across. So that's what I do, is I try to work with teams to make sure that everyone's moving forward. Because here's the thing, if 70% of the people have told me, I'm not reaching my potential, what if they all work for you? What if we could get everybody to just get a little closer? What does that do to the bottom line? If everybody can just go a little bit across the gap, yeah. instead of thinking we're gonna have magic fairy dust up our ass, no. Can I say ass? Of course you can. <laughs> I mean, all we do is give shots. Right. Well, that, that is true. Ow. That's right. That's right. I, I should have had a shot live on Facebook. <laughs> so, but that, so that's what I talk to people about. And what's fascinating is how excited people get when they start thinking about, I'm here, but I believe I can be here. And instead of feeling bad about it, because a lot of people start off feeling like, oh, I'm not living up to my potential. How shitty am I? I think that the, the thing is when they realize that, no, this is an opportunity, and it doesn't matter if you're 24 or 54, you start today. That's one of the, you know, sort of one of the answers, is take ownership of where you want to go starting today. Because there's a lot of people who had bad things happen to them in their life they couldn't control. That's okay. I, I respect that, and I, I've, I've had that. But moving forward, we have to take ownership of what do I do today. Yeah. So that's one of the first and, and you know, big pieces of advice is how are you owning where you need to go. Right. And I, I think I like the, I like the aspect you said of the team building. I used to think a long time ago, look at all these people who are self-made. It was like, there's They're no such thing. They're not no. self-made. It takes a village, right? Like, I'll tell you how it started off. I got him involved. We met Allison. I said, Allison, we're growing. We need help. Allison, come on board. And then from Allison came on board, we expanded and we brought other people in. There's no way I'd be able to do all this by myself, you know? And so it's, you have to have everyone on board. I mean, tomorrow night we're going on a team building, uh, you know, just night out just to say, hey, you know what? We need that camaraderie because when you're motivated, uh, and that's one thing, but when you're motivating a team, they make you better, right. right? And that's how I look at it. And you wouldn't get anywhere without a team that's really like buying into what you're trying to do. Right. And the same thing I think comes back to this whole idea of health, right? It's like you, you look at your health as there's a gap. If, if you're here, you know, and you've been eating cheeseburgers and you want to get there, there's no magic bus that's going to drive you across that gap. There's no bridge that you can go across. So you have to figure out what your scaffolding is or your lattice or whatever you want to say, and then take a day by day step. You know, yeah. it's like when I was running, it was like, I had to get to two miles before I could start doing the interval training. Yeah. Then when I started doing the interval training, it was hard. Yeah. You know, it was like it was, I remember it was Tuesday and Thursday were three miles. And then Saturday was, it was three, the next week was four, the next, it went up yeah, every yeah. single week until I was at 13, right before the race. And then Sunday was two. Yeah. And it was like, so four days a week, I was doing three, three, whatever, two. And, you know, but I, I just, I just, based it for that day, you know? Yeah. yeah. Take it one at a time. Yeah. yeah.
That's fine. I mean, that's that's exactly how we look at it. He's he's kept me level-headed in the sense of saying like, we're gonna just tackle this one thing and then we'll move on to the next one. You know, there's always gonna be something that pops up that you have to address and you can stress about the potential to look at the bigger picture i think is the most challenging aspects like look at the bigger picture of what we're trying to accomplish don't just focus on the little things that are that, that could go wrong right absolutely so, yeah so all right so besides that uh what was the next part of the uh, that we were going to talk about well so there's there's sort of 10 tips towards reaching your potential right. i'm not going to give you all 10 or people would get really bored yeah of course but you know taking ownership of your life is the first one yeah. i think the other ones that really excite me is you know you have to connect with people and I said it before I really believe I started off teaching people sort of networking skills when you connect with people opportunities happen all opportunities in life are going to come from people these chairs we're sitting in these are great chairs you know nobody's chair collapsed although that one looks like it could but, <laughs> I do. he's leaning on it yeah but the fact is, is that this chair is not going to send anybody business right so it really doesn't matter however each one of us could refer somebody else I could tell her where there's a new open mic, and she goes and gets discovered. Yeah. Well, that came because of a person. I'm not going to discover her, but somebody else is there and goes, oh, my God, she's just what we're looking for. Well, how did she get to that mic? I told her about it. So all opportunities you can trace back to people. You know, when you look at how did you meet, you know, I met my wife. I met my wife the old-fashioned way. It was way before Tinder and, you know, Match.com. <laughs> yeah. I met my wife in a bar. So I met my wife. Right. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. I can trace it back to people because I was meeting a group of friends in that bar. And, I, I so, and so was she. Yeah. So, you know, I was talking to somebody who I actually ran into in the bar. I wasn't there meeting him. And he was trying to, like, pick up this girl who wanted nothing to do with her. And her friend walked up. And real beautiful brunette, and this girl Betsy, I think was her name, was a redhead. She tapped Betsy on the shoulder, and I just was stunned by how beautiful this brunette was. And she looked at Betsy and said, oh, my God, I am so sorry I'm an hour late. Little did I know I was going to hear that everywhere I went for the rest of my life. <laughs> but the truth of that is, is that she was in that bar because of women who she worked with were all going out for a girls' night. Yeah. I was in that bar because my friend had won 100 or 120 free tickets to a comedy club, and this bar was next to it. So it was because of our friends we ended up in the bar. It wasn't like, you know, we just were there. Yeah. So you can trace everything back to opportunities from someone inviting you or introducing you or whatever. So that's the big one. Oh, that's another one. The big one, and I, I alluded to this earlier because I sell the shirts that say try new things. In my research and in my interviews, all these entrepreneurs, when I ask, how did you get your company? You started your company to do this, and now it's gorgantual and you know, going public or whatever. How did you get from here to there? And they said, we pivoted. We, we started the business with one business plan, and then we were surprised, and we tried something different. And it was like that second or third or tenth iteration where all of a sudden, you know, it exploded. If they hadn't tried something new, they never would have gotten the business to have that hockey stick. And when I walked in, you were kind of explaining your business to me, and you said, we started off doing this, yeah. then we tried that, and that's where the success yeah. came. If you don't try new things, you're going to get the same results over and over and over and over. So I'm a real big believer from all the research I've done, and it's affected my personal life with the comedy, with, you know, things I've done, you know, adventure-wise with my family. Uh, I was always an, a city kid. Yeah. My vacations were always Chicago, New York, San Francisco. My youngest daughter is kind of really outdoorsy. In the last couple of years, she decided that her lifetime goal is to hike the Appalachian Trail. Nice. She was 13 when she came up with this goal, and her mom and I kept trying to talk her out of it. Like, no, girl can't do that by herself. There's no way. And a couple of years ago, I agreed that after she graduates college, she's only 17, I'll go with her. And so now she and I are planning a trip in like five and a half years to take six months off. Well, I'm kind of a city kid. 
So I'm having to go out and I'm hiking the Greenbelt. Yeah. And she and I went to Yosemite for four days. And so, you know, I'm having to try these new things because you can't just go live in a tent for six months as your first time outdoors. Yeah. But it's because I'm willing to try that I'm going to have eventually that adventure. So I'm really big on that whole piece of advice that what are you, what are you trying new in your business and your personal life? And I think the same thing is true going back to health. Right, we came in here and I said, "Yes, make me a vitamin drink." Right, yeah, you said it right away. He's like, "Let's do it." Right, like yeah, <laughs> you, you said, you guys. It. I didn't even know what they were playing. Yeah. They, they were scooping shit in this. I could be found dead tomorrow. <laughs> I know, you know. Honestly, he didn't even ask what was in it. And but it's funny. There's some people who come in. They're just like, "Yeah, I'll take that." Right. Why didn't you tell me about it earlier? You right. Know, like, yeah. So. Yeah, so, so yeah, no. So but that's because it's like, oh, try new things. And one of the other things is you do B12 shots. And I thought, oh, I'm gonna do that. But because I'm drinking this energy drink, I didn't want to overload on B12. You know. So I'm going to come back like next week yeah, yeah, and, and get a B12 shot. But why not? I'm going to try it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you try new things. So this energy drink is actually really good. Um, I don't know what's in it, but I'm still here. And I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're still seeing straight. <laughs> it's just a lot of B12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we've, we've been called... Uh, ballerinas how much we've been pivoting lately just because it's like yeah i, I read built to last recently yeah love sure. that book it's my favorite book right now at the moment and it talks about the visionary companies and it was funny there's a guy who told me one time he's like what's a business plan it's basically a foundation but your core values can never change from it i mean that's essentially what it is right you can always pivot and say we tried that didn't work but we learned from it that we're going to do this yeah so, absolutely yeah so but but i'm a real big believer and so you can jump over to try new things shop and you can buy a shirt. Then you, there you go. Then, <laughs> then you'll just every day be like, you know, live up to it. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, wait, wait. See? You got it? There it is. There it is. There. I didn't realize I was wearing it. There you go. Right there. Try new things. Why not? That's right. Yeah, so, I, think, I think I've seen another uh, quote that says, do cool shit. Yeah, that's a, that's a shirt. So, <laughs> so I mentor this guy who bought me that shirt. And that's what spawned this idea with my daughter and I. Of let's, let's print shirts because we thought that shirt was yeah, good. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so they've sold like tens of thousands of, oh, the, of sure. the do cool shit shirts. I own one. I've sold like dozens of them. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you just started start. off. Though, we right? have just started. We have off, to yeah. spread the word here. People, right? It's people. My daughter just took over the Instagram account for it. And she goes, "You are totally lame. We have no product. It's like <laughs> me trying a new thing at Starbucks." She goes, "Nobody cares." She goes, "I'm taking it." She's seventeen. She goes, "I'm taking it over." Oh yeah. Well, that's why I have Allison here, right? Before when I was, she was talking about it, it's like me talking to the camera, and she's like, "Yeah, that's not gonna get anyone to pay attention. You gotta do this. You gotta do this." I'm like, "Yeah, that, you take over and you do that, right?" That's we right. did. We did a little bit of acting coaching, but it wasn't like so much acting. It's just how to behave on camera. <laughs> well, but Allison, you were great setting this up. It was like, you know, Zach introduced us, and you were like, "Bam! What day do you want to do it?" And then it was like, "Bam!" You're oh set. yeah. We call our team the Get Shit Done Crew. That is. Yeah. That, so, there's your T-shirts right there. Get shit done. Yeah. That we we. GSD crew and I love it because I know something's going to get done once we put it out there and if not we have a sauna now that tells us we're working on it right, right. which is well, awesome someone's listening right now on Facebook live and they're they're like boom they're on Etsy making shirts and yeah. saying, oh, yeah, get yeah. Shit done. Yeah. we get credit for some of that all right <laughs> yeah. they're going to compete with try new things there you go that's, that's true will you, will you wear the try new things you know you oh, do, we'll wear them you, sure. do the, yeah. you do the try new things shirt first then the get shit done yeah. you try it first then you get it done oh, yeah. we'll, we'll do a package deal that's yeah. <laughs> we'll get Zach's shirts in there and then it's if you do it Right, you're living a great story. Yeah, yeah, of course. We'll throw some stickers in there. That's not a problem. We have his stickers up there. I think they're almost gone. 
I mean, yeah. we had a bunch of them up there. So I bought one of the first Live a Great Story shirts. Yeah. So I have like the vintage, like five-year-old, like it's, I wear it so much, it's like falling apart. So. Heck yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, you talk about running. I'd run Town Lake all the time. That's like my second home. Right. Well, there's, and was, there's posters right Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I saw it. And I remember looking at it the first time. I was like, that's awesome. What am I doing today? Right. Yeah. You know, are you living a great story? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, he's kind of a he's kind of a common vandal, is what I think. You, <laughs> I think somebody called him that in like a newspaper article. <laughs> kind of a. Well, we were in Costa Rica, and we were putting up the, the stickers everywhere. Yeah. He's just like, just put it right here. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, causing that reaction, causing people to to say, hey, let's make a difference, let's make a change, let's make let's make something happen. I think that's really cool because that's essentially where you come in, unlocking the idea to say, no, you can go a little bit further. Why don't you try this? And I think that's the cool thing about CEOs and entrepreneurs is. They're always looking for for more information on how to grow. Right, and that's the thing I love about what I do because I get to go in and talk to audiences. I mean, I, I do trainings for 12 people and I MC conferences of like 5,000 people and I do speeches for organizations somewhere in the middle. And what I absolutely love about it, I mean, what's awesome is years later I'll run into somebody. I was getting on an airplane, I was putting the luggage up in sort of the overhead bin and this guy turns to me and goes, are you, are you an author and a speaker? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I think sometimes. And he said, I, he goes, did you speak for New York Life like four years ago? And I said, yeah, I did. And he turns to his wife, he goes, this is the guy I always talk about. And his wife immediately knew who I was and like retold a story to me that I had told. And she goes, that's what he does in his career. She goes, you have been, the, like people ask him who was the most influence on his career. And he said, like, his first month at work, they brought you in to speak at a team meeting. And, like, I spent, like, the next week thinking that was the coolest. I'm done, right? That's cool. That, I don't ever need another compliment. That's yeah, like the yeah. single best compliment to have a stranger on a plane go, I saw you speak four years ago, and you, you had an impact. So, you know, that's what, that's what that's I like awesome. about what I do. That's awesome. That's so cool. That, that's, you know, it's funny. On the flip side of this, you sharing your story with health and wellness is probably going to make more of an impact than ever I will as a practitioner. And the reason why... It's because somebody hears it from someone else and then they pass it along, right? right? And it's like, you have to come into the clinic to hear me, you know, talk to you face to face. But I heard it on a podcast. I spread it to a friend. All of a sudden, somebody's like, yeah, I heard your podcast the other day. Uh, Tom was talking about you just give up wheat and sugar when you're on the road. Simple as that, right? Lose 20 pounds. Yeah. I guess so. You, you, you have to run, too. You have to run yeah, a little yeah. bit. You didn't hear that yeah. part, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just don't eat wheat and sugar. Right. 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 But well, I, I love that. You know, and then I'll, I'll come back and get my B12 shot, you know, when I get back from my next trip, and then, then I can uh, report back how that happened. Hell yeah. Oh, That's awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm on top of the world. I could talk for another two hours. <laughs> I, I don't know what's in here, but it's like, wow, this is all. Let's keep going. I, I, I would just like to say I would let you keep talking, but you to gave me a cutoff. Oh, I do so have to be somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Let's just let, let the record show that Tom came in here being like, oh, I have a stop time. Da -da -da. How long does this go? I want to keep going. And, and now they've given me the energy drink. And I'm like, let's stay here at MSW Lounge forever. You watch me like, what the hell have you been doing? I thought you said you did a podcast. Yeah. Right? Like, three three in the morning, I'm like vacuuming. Yeah, getting more shit done, it's right? The, it's the energy drink. Try doing things and all that. I That's love right. it. I love it. Well, all right. So if somebody were to want to find you online, where would they find you? TomSinger.com. T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. But if they forget that I spell Tom awkwardly. T O M S I N G E R still gets you to Tom Singer. That's awesome. Smart. That's smart. And, and, and if they like podcasts, my show is called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Love it. I'm listening. Yeah. That's awesome. And I will link to those in the show notes. Awesome. And his Facebook page is already tagged on our live stream on Facebook. So, cool. well, Tom, thank you so, you so much. much. You guys are great. This, is, this is the best podcast in the world. <laughs> thank you, Tom.